0: to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, take your Bibles this morning, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. All right, Ephesians 2, are you there? All right, we've been talking about, of course, righteousness, you being made, the righteousness of God in Christ. It's funny because the word she gave this morning there, the reason why people fear is because they don't have a right relationship with God. The people, why they don't have time to be with him is because they don't have a right relationship with God. So if we can teach you how to get you out of the righteousness of God and have a relationship with God, all those things go bye-bye. Praise God in your life. Say bye-bye. 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 All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 19. This is talking to you. It says, now, when? Now. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now, how many know that's good news this morning? So it's telling you here that you're a citizen. Now, when you got born again and you received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you became an actual citizen of an actual country. Heaven is a country, it's invisible, but it's still real, and you became a citizen of the kingdom of heaven at that time. Say, I'm a citizen citizen. of of heaven. And notice you are also sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. That means God is really your father. How many of you know that? You're really his child. Praise God. And you're no longer a stranger and you're not a foreigner. Now, when I was growing up, I taught I was a lowly servant. I taught I was a weakling. I taught I was a failure. And that's because the attitude of religion, basically, that separates itself from God, separated us from God by our thought life. We are not sinners. We are not servants. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Now, once you get born again, get in the kingdom of God, one of the biggest changes you're going to have to make is right up here. You're going to have to change to the fact of who you've now been instantly made by a miracle when you got born again. If you're not born again you have not experienced this so i would suggest that you receive jesus christ your lord and savior and get born again and that will help you out a whole bunch praise god so notice you have got to get god's mentality actually a son mentality say a son mentality now you know as a son in a family basically i mean if you're with your family you walk around you do whatever you want in the house there's no friction there there's no i'm not afraid to i'm afraid to talk to this person or that there's nothing between you and your father, you, and your mother. And it's the same way when you got born of the kingdom. Because of what Jesus did, he made you righteous. Say righteous. Righteous. He restored righteousness back to each and every one of us. That gave us right standing with him, right standing with the devil, right standing against sickness and disease, right standing in all those things to where it made you a king, and it actually made you a ruler. So I want to start thinking like a son. I want to start acting like a son. And I want to start living like a son. And righteousness gives that to us. It gives us fellowship with God once again. Just like you have fellowship with someone in here this morning. We have the hugathon; Everybody goes around, hey, how you doing? And it's the same way with God. You've got that same relationship this morning without Sunday morning, without the caffeine. You can do that any day of the week, praise God. It works for you, glory to God. So we're not servants. We're not sinners. We are sons. And the Bible also says we are heirs heirs of God and join heirs with Christ Jesus. That means everything the Father has belongs to you. We're just in an access mode, and that access is through the Spirit of God. So don't get upset at someone else who's accessing more than you. Find out how they're accessing it and start accessing it with them, and you can both be happy together. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's why God is no respecter of persons. Glory to God. All right, go to Romans chapter 4. All right, Romans chapter 4, look at verse 25. It's talking about Jesus who was delivered for our offenses, and then he was raised again for our what? So notice, once again, everything Jesus did on the cross, he didn't do anything for himself. He didn't need anything. He didn't need to, he didn't need to defeat the devil. He didn't need to be justified. He didn't need to become righteous because how I many know he already was? So he took our sin on the cross, our unrighteousness through the cross, and here it says when he was raised from the dead, he was raised for our justification. Say justification. Right. So the day that he was raised from the dead, justification was available to every human being in the earth and after that. It was already provided when he was raised from the dead. So basically at that time we could become justified. Justification is just as if I had never sinned. Now how many know that's a good place to be? But once again, if you're in that position but you're still thinking outside that position, it's not going to benefit you. You don't activate anything in the spirit that you don't believe. So, I mean, you can be healed, and if you don't believe it, how many know you're not going to activate healing in your life? You can have peace, but if you don't activate it in your life, if you don't believe it, you don't have it. We're not believing God for things. We're believing in things that God has already given us. Uh, I need some peace. No, you don't. You need to believe in the peace that God already provided for you. I'm believing for righteousness. Well, just keep believing. You're going to be believing for a long time. You believe in the righteousness that he provided. Basically, faith just receives from God what he already provided for me. And how many know that's got to be received? You've got to receive it. And the only way you receive it is by hearing the word of God, which brings faith. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. So I need to have faith, first of all, in God. How many know you had to have faith in God? It's not like he appeared to you in your bedroom and said, Here I am or anything. You had to believe in something you couldn't see that was really there, he was really there. How many of you gotta believe in heaven? How many know it's really there? How many of you been there? But it's really there. Praise God. So we believe in that. We don't believe for it. We believe in it because these are things that are already provided for us. I'll tell you, if grace didn't supply it, don't believe in it. See, everybody wants to believe in everything. Believe in this. No, grace either provided it or it didn't. If it provided it, then you can believe for it. If not, then you can't believe for it. So he was raised again for our justification. Say justification. Justification. So the moment that I got born again, December 21st, 1985, 7 o'clock in the evening. When I received Jesus Christ, my Lord, and my Savior, there was a miracle that took place in my life. Just like that. It wasn't a growing thing. It happened. On the inside of me, my nature was changed. A miracle at that time. Justification became mine at that time. Righteousness became mine at that time. Did I know it? No, I didn't know it. But something happened. And as I studied the Word and spent time with God, He showed me all these things He freely had given to me. Say freely. freely. How many of you like free things? Yes. I've never heard anybody say no to that. So it's safe to ask that usually, yes. Yeah, freely given. We are now justified. But now look, there should be no chapter 5 there. Let's start in verse 25 and go right on through. Who has delivered us for our offenses and raised us again for our justification. Therefore, well, therefore what? Therefore, because of verse 25, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, we now have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now notice, we're not trying to get it. We're trying to stand in it. It already belongs to me. These things already belong to me. In the hope of God, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, patience experience, experience hope. So notice here, once we became justified, we now have peace with God. Say, I have peace with God. Say, there's nothing between me and God. We're good friends, good buddies. He's my dad. I'm his child. And it wasn't by my performance. It was by Jesus' performance, and that's why I praise Him and thank Him before church all the time. Praise God. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. Thank God we didn't have to work for all these things, and we'd still be working. Oh. All right, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 18 talking about Jesus, it says, he is the head of the body. Who's the body? And he is the head of the body, the church, who we are, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Notice, Jesus was the what? Firstborn. Say firstborn. firstborn. Now notice, Jesus had to be born again I know nobody likes that sometimes, but it's true. Jesus took on our sin, became our sin, became our unrighteousness, and basically he died not only physically, but immediately he died spiritually. Remember he said, my God, my God, why hast thou Why did he forsake him? Because he took your sin, he took your failures. At that time he died spiritually, and he needed to be born again. And here it says, what was his number? He was the firstborn from the dead. Now, I don't know what number I am, and I don't care. I might have been 2,642,000 born, but I don't care because I was born again. But he was the firstborn from the dead. He was the one who was born again. He was made alive again. And basically when he did that, it's so good because he took on all the sin of the world. He took on all the evil of the world. He took on all the sickness of the world. And the day that he got born again, he went right into the holies of holies to his father. Oh, my gosh, that's good. He didn't have to stop in purgatory and do penance didn't have to hold up someplace that justification was strong enough to completely deliver him of all the sin that was placed on him by us and he walked right into the throne room my god now you know what that means that means that you once you got born again can walk that's why it says come feverishly into the throne of god no we come boldly don't we we come boldly to the throne of grace that's been provided for us. So you can come boldly to God. You don't have to come whimpering or begging or trying to manipulate him. If you've got something, something you want to say to him, say it to him, praise God. Believe me, he's heard it all. You're not going to surprise him. He's not going to fall off the throne if you do something extra wrong in your opinion. No, but notice when Jesus did that, basically, and we now have peace with God, and he is the firstborn. So how many know you have a number? The Bible says that your name is written in the, that's a registry. As being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and your name's in there. Something he goes down, looks at citizens. There you are. Praise God, you became a citizen of His. Hallelujah. Okay, go to Romans chapter three. If you want to really find out about righteousness and justification, spend some time in the book of Romans. The whole book is about you being righteous, you being justified freely. What Jesus did for you, how he did it, where you're at now. The whole book is, you could just write, instead of Romans, justified. Because that's what the whole thing is about. All right, Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 21. It says, but now, when? Now. Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, Of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, before there is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, this first of all tells us that all were sinners. How many know every single person in here at one time was a sinner? Every person born in the world was a sinner at one time. And basically then, what did they do? They found out about the justification that was freely given to them when they received Jesus Christ as their substitute. And when they did that, they got born of the kingdom of God and got the miracle of the new birth. But notice, you were justified by faith and by grace. Say, by faith Faith. and grace. Notice, said you were justified freely. It was given to you. It's available to you. It was there. It's not by what you did. It's not by what you didn't do. It was not by going to church. It was not by Working bingo. It was not like doing any of those things. And for a long time in my life, I was still in works. How many of you were there? Yep. And how many of you might still be there a little bit in certain ways that we think and stuff? Well, no. All this stuff has been freely given. So it's not our basically. It was given to us. Victory this day belongs to you. The whole church waits and waits and waits and waits to get in victory, not understanding that they already are in The whole church waits for the Holy Ghost to move when the Holy Ghost can move right See, we've been taught to wait. Wait, and there's going to be a revival. Wait, and you're finally going to get righteous. Wait, and you're finally going to get smart enough. Wait, and you're finally going to get healed. Wait, and you're finally going to get blessed. But all these things already belong to us, and I don't know what you're waiting on. Because they happened when Jesus went to the cross, which was a little while ago, you see. And now this is your inheritance. This isn't something you're trying to get. This is something that was willed to you by Jesus, by the Father, and by the Holy Ghost that already belongs to us. So victory belongs to you today. Well, I'm not living in victory. Well, just start believing in the victory that you got, and sooner or later all that junk is going to start falling for your life. If you believe you're a sinner today, just change it and start to believe that you're righteous by the blood, and pretty soon sin will vacate your life. How many of you fought sin? And sin won, didn't it? Because you were fighting it. You can't fight it. You got to, the only way you're going to fight it is by understanding that you're righteous, and righteous people don't sin, praise God. And the Bible tells us we shouldn't sin, but religion tells us that everybody sin sometimes we all got to slip and we all got to fall sometimes well if you believe that you're going to get what you believe you are the way you are because you believe that's the way you are so we want to believe the way we are according to the bible here and what he says so basically here it says it's not through our efforts but through his efforts it's through grace say grace See, grace Grace thinks that everybody thinks it's this cloud that when I sin, I pull it over there and I cover the sin. And when I make a mistake here, I pull grace in here. Grace is something that's already been provided for you, praise God. That's what it's about. It's not to cover your sin. It's so you don't anymore. He okay. don't even really want to heal you by grace. He just wants you to live in health that's already been provided so you don't have to be healed anymore. But will he heal you? Yes, he will, won't he? He's God. He's your father. He wants you healed. So faith simply receives what grace has already provided for each and every one of us. If you're trying to get something from God, chances are you're in the law. And what was the law? That was given to the people back in the old days whose nature never got changed. So they were trying to keep the law. How many know they couldn't do it? And they'd keep it for a little bit, and they'd do good, and then they'd mess up, and they'd go back. And then they'd keep it for a little bit and do good. Then they'd mess up and go back. Sound familiar? Drink on Saturday night, get drunk, repent in the morning and everything would be fine. Drink on, get drunk on Sunday night, go back in the morning and do it back and forth. Why? Because I was living under the law. I was trying to do something that in my own efforts I could not do. I could not get free from alcohol by myself. I couldn't quit. Believe me, I did. About 5,642 times. But then I always went right back to drinking, praise God. Why is that? Because in my own ability, I couldn't do it. I could, I could break off it for a little bit. You know, it's like anything else in your life that you're trying to get out. Sometimes we do good for a little bit. Yeah. And then all at once we just, and here's the thing. Once you don't do it, you just say, well, that's it. Ever do that? I tried. It didn't work. You know, you know, I quit eating at Golden Crowl after four days in a row. And, and I quit for two days, but now I'm back there every single day again and eating and doing Whatever. And why is that? Because we couldn't do it. You couldn't do it at that time. You had a sin nature on the inside. So that sin nature now has been broken off of me, and I can believe who I am and who God tells me I am. We're right there. Look at Romans 4. Look at verse 4. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned as grace, but it is a debt. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as what? righteousness. So what's he saying here? He's saying if you did something and were so good and attended church and prayed well and sang on tune, basically you did not earn anything from God. If you earned it from God, then God owed it to you as a debt for something that you did. Are you following? But it's not a debt. It's freely given to each and every one of us. That's why in Psalm 103 it says, "Forget not all his because they're not debt given because you did something. They are benefits People think, well, God's just punishing me because I'm doing wrong. No, you're doing wrong, and you're being judged by the wrong that you're doing. It's not God. See, it's freely given to you. Everything is freely given to us right now. Don't blame God for your problems. I heard somebody out there the other day. It was on a TV show. You know, they were doing some things, and they got in a mess and everything wrong, and then everything started falling apart, and God's just punishing me. Oh, he's punishing me. He's just getting back at me, punishing me. No, no, you, you go in the wrong direction, you end up in a ditch. I mean, you know if you want to go to Orlando today, and, and you get off 95 and head west, you're not going to get there. You can drive forever. So basically, it's not that. It's basically not a debt. God does not owe us anything, no matter how good you've done. No, no matter how holy you are, or righteous you think that you are. He does not owe you anything. It's not debt. It is freely given to each and every one of us. Thank God for His benefits. And you read about His benefits. How many know they're pretty good? Praise God, He heals. How many of your diseases? Yeah. He forgives. How many of your sins? See, all these things are benefits for you. They're not things that we have to earn to do it. Once again, it's that, and it's that time of year, it's that Santa Claus syndrome that we're in, isn't it? I mean, if a little kid, if I don't do good, Santa's not going to bring me anything. Well, God's not Santa. Santa's going to bring you whatever he already brought you that provided for you and it already belongs to you. So you've got to be careful you don't build that mindset into the young ones. And the only reason why you do that is because the old ones have the mindset So you're going to teach, teach your kids that if that's what you really believe and that's what religion continues to teach us it teaches that it's all about what we do how we do it if we do it well if we don't do it well god's going to get mad at you god doesn't like you god doesn't but that's not the way it is praise god we are in grace and all these things provided the big, the greatest thing you can ever get in your life is knowledge Amen. knowledge of the word of god knowledge of who you are is a man who who looks in the mirror i get up in the morning and i look i'm holy i'm righteous i'm blessed i never get angry then i walk away and guess what happens forget what manner I am I choke three people I kick four I throw the dog out of the house and what happened I forgot didn't I Then I go back to the mirror oh that's right that's who I am I forgot there a little bit who I was but see he says you've got to keep looking in that mirror you've got to continue therein you've got to continue till you see something different when you look in that mirror and start acting like something different in that mirror all right go to Hebrews chapter 10 This really, when I, when I got this, these revelations, it really helped me to have more peace and joy and praise and excitement and everything for Jesus. Because I found out He did all this stuff for me. Up until that time, I thought I was working for it. See, and, and when I was doing good and something bad happened in my life, I wondered what the heck was the matter with God, because I don't know why He was doing that to me when I'm such a good when I'm such a good boy. I mean. I'm at the top of the list and everything's going wrong in my, I didn't understand that he had already given me the provision to take care of that problem that I was running into and it wasn't up to him to do it. So basically you got to understand your relationship with God. He wants the best for you. He needs you to succeed in every area of your life. If you're broke, you can't do what he wants you to do. If you're sick, you can't do what he wants you to do. And it's a reflection on him because he created you. He made the product, and now the product stinks, and who's going to get charged? You know, your wash machine breaks down, and it's a GE. You're going to call GE, and you're going to give them a slight piece of your mind, praise God. And how I many you know they'll come fix it? They'll take care of it because they want to protect their name. Well, God has given us everything. He wants you to succeed at every... He's never against you. The Bible said He's actually for you. He's not against you. All right, Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 1. For the law, trying to do all we could with good works, having a shadow of the good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereto perfect. It wouldn't work. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of the sins. So in the Old Testament, the high priest went in once a year. He put the blood of animals in there to atone for the blood of the people. What did that do? It did not remove the sin. It covered the sin. If you have a cut on your arm, would you rather have a band-aid on it or rather have it healed? All right, well, the Old Testament was a band-aid. He just put a band-aid over sin because that's all the blood of animals could do. It couldn't wipe sin away. So now it talks about in verse, look at verse 12, Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, stopped doing penance, he sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one offering has he perfected for ever, them that are sanctified. sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is a covenant that I'll make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws now in their hearts, and in their minds I will write them, and their sins and their iniquities I will remember, how long? No more. No more. So this is our covenant. Don't go back over that one. We're done with that one. You can't live under the Old Covenant. Under the New Covenant, Jesus one time wiped away all our sins. One time made us righteous. One time made us holy. One time did everything that we needed to be done for us. And here's the best thing. We're in a kingdom. Say a kingdom. kingdom. How many know in a kingdom there's a king and there's people? Yeah. All right. If you watch any movie, any of the old movies, or you think about it, when you've got a kingdom like that, basically the people are there, if they have to, to die to protect the king. You ever seen any of them movies? You know, they're all dressed up and that stuff. Well, notice, in God's kingdom, it's different. The king died to save the people. God, that's so good to me. You ain't going to find a king that's going to do that in the world realm. I'll tell you that right now. You ain't going to find me to do that in the world realm, probably. But notice, he did. The king died for the people, not the other way around. So that shows you that our, our concept of kingdom and his concept of kingdom are two different things. He's for the people. He wants you to succeed. He wants, in a regular kingdom of the world, the king wants to succeed. And he'll do it, whatever he has to do, to take from you or get you to do or whatever. But notice, he died for us. Say, he died for me. me. Now, there's people out there right now who don't know these kind of things. They're known as fallen man. Anybody who's born again who's not saved is fallen man. How many know they have no standing with God whatsoever right now? They have no citizenship in the kingdom of God right now whatsoever. They are illegal aliens to the kingdom of God. They're basically convicts in a state penitentiary with no parole. I mean, they can't do enough time to get out. They can't do enough good works to get out. They can't serve it long enough. They can't do it. They can't do anything. Basically, they are in union with the devil. You think, well, why does my relation act like that? Well, it's pretty obvious. They're not born again. They're in union with the devil. Every man born into the world is helpless, and they are hopeless, praise God. They can't do anything. That's why it's important for us to do what we're supposed to do and bring people into the kingdom of God. I mean, you got in somehow, didn't you? You just weren't walking down the street and a lightning bolt hit you. And all at once you said, my gosh, you know, it happened to Saul, but it doesn't happen to us. Somebody either had to say that you're watching TV, somebody explained it to it or whatever. And at that time, it told you you could come out of your helpless, hopeless situation and get into something else. And why is that? Because of what Jesus has already done on the cross. People say, well, like December 21st, 1985, when I got saved, how many of you could have got saved December 19th, 1985? Maybe even December 2nd, 1985. Yeah, it was already available for me. So everybody always says, and I do, God saved me that day. No, God saved me a long time ago, but I didn't enter into my salvation. Well, God also healed you a long time ago. Now you must enter into that. God gave you joy available that day. Now you just got to enter enter into the peace and enter into the righteousness and enter into all these things. They're already provided for you on the cross of Calvary. They already belong to each and every one of us. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When you get more and more revelation of this stuff, and you say God is a good God, it means something different to you than God's a good God all the time. How's God? He's a good God. How is he? All the time. Don't do nothing for me, but God's a good God all the time. Well, when you find out that he already did everything and start taking advantage of it, you find out that God is a good God. See? He's a, good, he's a gooder God. He's even better. He might be good, gooder, goodest. God. Because, see, it's already done. But we have trouble because we still believe he's doing something for us that he's already done. And when we don't receive it, then we get upset with God. How many of you sometimes get upset when you don't get your own way? My eyes are shut. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. And we do that with God, too. You'd be, you'd be surprised how many people out there are mad at God. I mean, he did t- I don't know what he did wrong, but they're all mad at him because things aren't working out. And it's simply because they don't know everything that he's provided for us the inheritance he's given us. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 18. Oh, we got to back up to 17. I can never skip that verse. Verse 17, therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is right now a new creature. Those old darn things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the Christian reconciling the world unto himself. Now notice, he's not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now the first thing that we, I always did was when I tried to get somebody born again, I tried to get him to confess all their sins. And then I found out he's not even holding the sins that I'm trying to get him to confess against them, but I'm getting them to confess the sins that he's not holding against them, because that's what I was taught to do. I was doing this stuff. Come on. That's what we're taught to do, isn't it? Are you sorry for your sins? Let me, hear, let me hear all your sins, and then you can get born again. God says, I don't even remember his sins. Just get him born again, would you please? See? Already, God's already provided it. It's done. We've been reconciled. There was a movie on a long time ago. What was it? Irreconcilable Differences or something. Two people just couldn't get along. Didn't matter what they did or what they did. It was that way. But notice, we, even the man out there, the worst man out there in the world right now, has already been reconciled to God reconciliation is theirs to take and how many know that miracle will work whether you were an alcoholic whether you were a druggie whether you were good terrible rotten to the core that miracle takes place on the inside of each and every person and they're instantly changed by the power of god so any person out there no matter how wicked they are how many know there's some out there how wicked they are simply by receiving jesus christ can be instantly changed and transformed into this new spiritual being and could change the entire world i mean look at paul my god he was going around killing christians That's what he did for a living before he got saved. And then nobody even wanted to talk to him after he got saved. He had a reputation. How many know he had a reputation? Yeah. Well, guess good news, Paul's coming to preach. I ain't coming to church that day. (laughs) My God. I just checked my life insurance. It ain't that good. I ain't going there when he's preaching. But it had to be hard for him. Now, he had to shake that old reputation. How many know we got to shake our old reputation? we're no good, you're never going to mount anything, you're going to end up in jail, nothing ever works right for you, uh, just a sinner saved by grace, all this stuff we got to shake. Shake everybody. All right, we'll sweep it up after we're done here, praise God. Get the broom out and do it. Yeah, we got to shake the same thing. Paul had to shake a mentality there because he was good at being bad, wasn't he? He was an expert at being bad, praise God. He was all the way to where he was getting notes and everything else, go around and kill people. So here it says we've reconciled. So the secret of victory and the secret of walking in things as God is to have this victorious attitude, this fearless attitude, this righteous man attitude, this justification attitude, this attitude of who you are. You're a king. You rule over situations. You're not afraid of anything, much like what we heard in her word this morning. You're not afraid of anything. Why should you be? You're a king and a priest unto God, and you're a child of the living God, praise God. Whether you know it or not, this morning, you're a ruler. You've been put here to rule, praise God. You're a son of God. You're who your real daddy told you you are, not anybody else who told you something. All they did was did what they did, which was probably their best, but it wasn't any good, praise God. All right, one more. Go to 1 John chapter 4. And you walk around and you go to some Christian thing sometime and everybody's coming, all different Christians from everybody. And somebody walks up and you say, how you doing? You say, blessed, healed, justified, glorified, full of the power of God, full of the anointing of God. How many know they'll probably get exited? You either put a white suit on you and put you in a padded cell or they're not going to come back and ask you how you are anymore. See, because people don't want to hear that. That's not what they're taught. They think it's blasphemy. They think it's everything else. But it's what he freely provided for each and every one of us. Praise God. You're all going to open your presents on Christmas morning. Why not open your spiritual presents today and stop waiting until Christmas for it to happen? Praise God. Because it already belonged to us. All right, First John chapter 4. Look at verse 17. It says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we where so as he is where is he now see the right hand of the father where are we we're in this world so if he is righteous then so are righteous if he is healed then so are we. if he's bold be in the throne room we can be bold enough See, everything that he is, he's victorious, so, so are we in this world. The only thing is, we're his only representatives to prove what this word says to the rest of the world. Jesus ain't going to do that anymore. The Father ain't going to come down here. The Father never wanted to come to earth. People said, well, why don't come down here and do something? That's why he created man. If he wanted to do it, he'd have did it. He didn't. He gave mankind to rule and reign down here. That's why you're here. That's what you're put here for. But you're the only one that's going to prove that this word is true. You're the only one that's going to prove that God has filled you with somebody by the name of the Holy Ghost. You're the only one that's going to prove that the name of Jesus breaks stuff off of people's lives. Until then, it's just written here. Whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. Yes, amen, hallelujah. But then if you're not practicing that and doing it, I mean, you walk up to somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed from head to toe, and they get healed, how many know they're going to believe that something's real here? But they're not going to believe it until it's demonstrated. Say, Demonstration. And we are the ones responsible for the demonstration, but you're not going to do that if you've got a fear-filled mind, a worried mind, a sinner mind, a loser mind, a no-good mind. It's not going to work for you. So we're renewing your mind. Say, renewing my mind. renewing my mind. The Bible says we renew the spirit of your mind. How many know your mind also has a spirit? Amen. So it's renewing the spirit of your mind, praise God. What's that do? To bring you into a place where you could walk like a son of God, act like a son of God, be a son of God. And how many know you're going to look different than most of the church? Yeah. How many know that's okay, praise God? How many know you're going to lose some relation? How many know you're going to lose some friends? How many know you're not going to lose your spouse? Praise God. You're going to bring them along. See, no matter how dumb they stay, you're just going to keep bringing them along. Praise God you're not going to do that. Praise God. Hallelujah.